Welcome to Food Friday Leftovers. A podcast about all the goodies left over from Food Friday. I'm Dave Hopper. And I'm Ashley Kinsey. Tune in each week as we cover culinary topics such as food trucks, local food, pizza, veggies, beer, and wine. You hungry yet? Huh, I'm always hungry. Well, on that note, Ashley, tell us what's in the fridge this week. Today I'm not looking in the fridge, I'm looking in the freezer. We're speaking with Bruce Weinstein and Mark Scarborough. They're the authors of the new book, Alum Mode, along with others, many others. And thank you so much for coming in and talking with us today on Food Friday Leftovers. It's our pleasure. Thanks for having us in again. I wanted to start with a question that's sort of a piggyback off of something that was mentioned in our Vox Pop Food Friday episode. Okay. With regard to lavender ice cream. um, (laughs) Everybody wants to talk about lavender. The lemon and black pepper ice cream. Yep. And then the funny story with the corn ice cream. So my question is about savory ice creams. Um, Right now, zucchini flowers are in season. Everyone's got those. Mm -hmm. Can you put those in ice cream? Or are there other ingredients that you can mix up to make a really fun uh, recipe? I have to say that one time we did try to make garlic ice cream. And honestly, it tasted like frozen Alfredo sauce. And it wasn't very good (laughs) at all. It was pretty bad. But zucchini flowers, that's an interesting problem. I wonder if they actually have enough flavor flavor, though, themselves to carry through, they may just give the ice cream a vegetal quality. Mm. Um, so it would be interesting to try, but I, I have, I'm hesitant to say up front, great idea, because I do think that they may not offer enough of their own but flavor. they might be delicious fried with a little sweetened cream inside of them, a little sweetened mascarpone inside of them and fried and then put on ice cream. Well, that does right. sound great. Yes, serving yeah. a fried zucchini blossom with ice cream as a dessert. Sounds amazing. You could sweeten the batter. You dip them in a little bit, almost like a waffle batter, Mm. deep fry them, and then put an ice cream on top. Yeah, I usually make mine savory with like ricotta and stuffed and fried. Right. So now try it on the slightly sweet side so you have the vegetable, the floury vegetable almost as a dessert. Great idea. I think I am going to try that. Do you guys just throw ingredients back and forth at each other? Yes, we talk all about day. food all day. <laughs> all yeah, day. That's, what that's, we do. that's the life. You can't publish 28 books in 16 <laughs> years without thinking about food a lot. And uh, we basically uh, throw ideas back and forth all the time. We kind of come up with ideas together. And then Bruce goes off into the kitchen. He's the chef. And he creates the recipes we talk through them as they're happening and then i go off and i write them once it's all done so and i'm forever bringing plates and bowls and glasses (laughs) and spoons into mark's office try this try this try this try this right i have to ask about since i'm a photographer outside of here not food or anything but i'm just wondering what the relationship is like with the photographer when you're doing a new book we have one photographer particularly who we work with a lot lately uh, he, he shot five of our books he now. lives down in brooklyn and he comes up to the house and we get along really well together uh it could be because we can all drink about a bottle of bourbon a night <laughs> together. But we also get along really well and work really well together. But there are others, too. I can think of some other photographers. I can think of one who lives on the shore of Connecticut. We tend to try to work our photo shoots so that we have good rapport. And I, I find, since I produce the shoots and Bruce is in the kitchen cooking the food, I find that the most important thing is to make sure that the rapport amongst the people working is the best it can be. Make sure there's good food, make sure there's good tunes on, make sure there's good laughs, keep it all really light and up. It's food. It's not dire. There's nothing <laughs> yeah. horrible about it. Well, maybe there is horrible food. But, I mean, it's not, it's not terrible. And Instead, it's food. And I, I just find that we can produce better work when we are all 
doing work convivially together. I, I'm saying this, and all I can think of is politics at the moment. But um, <laughs> Shoot, why is that on your mind? I, yeah, I don't know. It's and a we do thing. we do all of our shoots at our house. We use our house as our studio, so the whole crew ends up coming up to us. And we find the fewer people we have on the shoot, the smaller the crew, the better. That we don't. Everybody doesn't need an assistant. <laughs> that you know, mm-hmm. we've had shoots like that where the prop stylist has had her assistant, and the photographer's had his assistant, and I've had an assistant in the kitchen, and then the account people are there with their assistants, and the editor has an assistant. Is that you? <laughs> Trying to turn it off. Technology. Trouble with the connection. Please try again in a moment. Just throw it on the floor. I want to turn you off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad it wasn't me. It's always me. (laughs) I'm guessing the photographer and all them get a nice meal out of the... Uh, We usually eat well, but it's usually not what we cook. Because the last thing we want to do is either eat a stew that's been sitting around since 8 o'clock that morning. (laughs) um, Or if it's one of our dessert books, the only thing to eat is, you know, there'll be 15 sheet cakes and 12 (laughs) quarts of ice cream. So we eat well, but we call it. It's funny. (laughs) On one suit that we were just on, we did a a recipe where they did the prop stylist and the photographer. We were all working and we made this huge platter of a hand, you know, a fried ham steak and Oh, there must have been, what, 16 oat pancakes around it. And we put butter on it and syrup and this huge fried ham steak. And they had been really good and they hadn't been eating anything and they hadn't been eating anything. And then we we struck that set. We got the shot and we struck the set. And the two of them, both of them, oh, what, in their late 20s and they both together might weigh 100 pounds? They finished the whole platter. They just blew right through the thing without yeah. looking back. Three they pounds f- of ham and 16 <laughs> to 18 oh <laughs> Well, that's another perk for being able to do photography for the book. It is a good perk, and it helps the fact that Mark and I insist that all the food at our shoots is real, mm-hmm. that we don't, we don't rely on old-fashioned uh, food styling tricks like glue for milk, glue and, all and hairspray and uh, shortening. Know, People use you know, Crisco. Fake ice cream. They mix sugar into Crisco, a small amount of sugar to give it a kind of slightly grainy texture. And then they color it and they make balls out of it. And the old what? Crisco ice cream is a real common yeah, food styling melt. trick. You could have it outside. It won't yeah. We just absolutely won't do it. We work with real ice cream, which means the photo shoots can get really harried because we're trying to get melty ice cream onto a set <laughs> under lights get it shot it gets kind of harried at that point i see all the reasons why you need good attitude and convivial spirit and you're all doing this together and uh, you're doing the best you can when you guys go out for ice cream do you guys go out for ice cream sometimes it's yeah. hard to. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I wanted to ask. What was that? that Phineas Q. Butterfats. What show was that on? We got that. The, I believe you're at The Simpsons. Was so that a Simpsons thing? So I started referring to this place out in West Hartford as, as Phineas Q. Butterfats. And they made the best sorbet I'd ever had. It was like this coconut sorbet that was like, how do you do this? How come my, even my coconut sorbet is never this good? I'm afraid <laughs> to ask because I don't want to know what kind of a chemical storm they're putting oh. in. <laughs> but also I say when I say it's hard to add I mean to be snotted completely, but when it's hard, uh, is we live very remotely, right? So we can't just go out for I I live in a very, very rural area. And I can't just go out for ice cream. There's no ice cream within thirty minutes of me. What yeah. is it? Twenty five no, minutes? We'd have of we'd me? have to drive at least 
45 minutes to get to Great Barrington to that woman who called in. <laughs> That's yeah. 45 minutes drive from her yeah. just to get there for a scoop of her uh, halva ice cream. <laughs> but we did, we were in California teaching some pressure cooker classes last month and we went to this ice cream store. Oh. I don't even remember the name of it now. It was this little local oh. dairy. And in the we, town and country mall, I know exactly where it is in, in Palo Alto. Oh, my god! It gosh. was amazing. And we hear that the line to get in is usually around the block, but there was nobody. So we went in, and I had this chocolate coconut ice cream. Oh. And didn't you have the roasted banana ice cream? With salt caramel. Oh, with salt. Oh, that roasted ice cream banana. was amazing. It was so, so yeah, fine. We do sometimes go out for ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> and you're trying to deconstruct the ice cream when you're Oh, I definitely it? have to go home and make it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if they've come up with something I haven't thought of, I'm going to make it. That's really hard, right? It's a really hard part of the job because you want to enjoy your food. You want to go out for dinner. You want to, you know, you take yourself out, especially when you live remote. And you don't have all that many times when you go out. So you go out, and then you sit there trying to figure out what's going on on the plate, <laughs> and what what can I do different, and what would I do with yeah, this? Yeah. And it, you really have to try to put that away. You know, it's like being a sound engineer, right? And listening to recordings, you just can't let it go. Yeah, hearing point. yourself and trying to edit yourself is just oh, <laughs> it's bad. It's a bad scene. <laughs> My last question had to do with preparation of ice cream and if how it affects taste, because I don't like chocolate. Gasp. I don't like chocolate ice cream, but I like vanilla ice cream with chocolate things mixed in. Interesting. And okay. Now, even if the chocolate syrup or whatever melts into the vanilla ice cream and it's all one chocolatey mess, it still tastes better to me than the chocolate. Now, does that have something to do with the preparation? Yeah. Is it? Is that, that will have the fact that the chocolate hasn't been cooked. That you, when you make chocolate ice cream, you're going to melt chocolate. You're going to heat it up. If you're making a custard, it's going to be heated quite high into the custard. Um, might even be brought to a boil if you're making a chocolate syrup to go into a sorbet or something like that. So when you have chocolate chips or if you have a hot fudge that's in and you like the taste of hot fudge, when it melts down and, and thins out with the melted vanilla ice cream becomes a sauce, it has been cooked. So it's a different flavor. And you're also starting with something you know you like. You know you like this chocolate syrup. You know you like this hot fudge sauce. So when it melts down and mixes with your ice cream, you're still getting what you like, mm. which is a completely different flavor than if you started with chocolate ice cream. Yeah, because for some reason, it's just like the chocolate flavor in chocolate ice cream seems so much heavier, and that's why I don't like it. Hmm. It is heavier. <laughs> it by and large is heavier. Yeah. That's right. And it depends on whether they make it with cocoa or whether they make it with chocolate, the ice cream. Because yeah. cocoa ice cream, chocolate ice cream made with cocoa, which is how most supermarket ice cream is made, has a whole different flavor than ice cream made with melted chocolate, but both of them are intense. Yeah, the only one that I ever liked is now in the Ben and Jerry's graveyard, oh. brownie batter. <laughs> um, oh. And brownie batter, and once again, you're having an ice cream with your chocolate item you love, brownies, mixed into that, so that's why you like that, because mm -hmm. really you're just chewing away on those brownie bits and the brownie <laughs> batter. It had nothing to do with the ice cream, it had to do with what was in it. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> But you know how to good. make that yourself now. Just get some get brownie some batter and, and smash it into some ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> right. That didn't require a, a store-bought thing, right? Yeah, do no. that. We could talk to you guys forever, but we have to let you go. Um, do you guys have a funny story, though, to end us on? <laughs> you putting us on the spot. We tend to do that. <laughs> Everyone has to have a specialty, I guess. Ours is and ev every single face, when you ask someone for a funny story, they all we kind told, of... We told, we just blew our funny stories in there with Barbara Walters. And <laughs> yeah, that one was pretty good. Let me think for a minute. 
Well, I can go back to Barbara Walters. No. <laughs> I already talked about the dead. No, but I'll, t- I'll tell more about that. When we were on the show before the, the podcast, Mark was talking about Barbara Walters. and I believe he, I referred to her as the dead. He did. So Mark and I used to... Ben and Jerry's graveyard, the dead. We're tying it all together. <laughs> Mark and I used to teach cooking classes and do cooking shows on Holland America cruise ships. And there was this one cruise we were on where he was telling that story about Barbara Walters. And they were applauding him. And it was just insane. Now, you understand before you go on with this, that the demographic on a Holland America ship is not exactly the living. Um, <laughs> oh, wait. I actually had that wrong. I was telling the Barbara Walters stories and they were booing me. That's oh, yes, how it went. They booed me when I told the Barbara And I'm like, wait a second. Mark was talking about, we had been out on this tour of these ruins in Mexico and all these old people from the ship were there. And Mark said to them, you know, I think you were all out there with me today and I saw the buzzards hanging overboard and I got to start hanging out with younger people and they applauded him I'm like wow wait a second he's talking about you and buzzers and you applaud him I'm talking about Barbara Walters and you booed me and, he and so t- I said to Bruce they're old don't take their TV away and they, and they applauded him again <laughs> <laughs> so, so I just want to say that you have to be careful in what audience you make fun of Barbara Walters in because um, she is a revered icon. And no, she was not dead. She was gracious and lovely to us. And it was beautiful to be able to be on The View with her before she retired from the show. But still, still a nonetheless, <laughs> be careful who you make fun of in front of what audience. That's a good advice to end on. Bruce and Mark, thanks for being on Food Friday Leftovers again. It's our pleasure. Thank you Thank for having you. us. That was Bruce Weinstein and Mark Scarborough, noted cookbook authors. This has been Food Friday Leftovers. I'm Ashley Kinsey. And I'm Dave Hopper. Be sure to check out Vox Pop Food Friday every Friday at 2 p.m. on WAMC Northeast Public Radio. Our producer is Jessica Blaustein Marshall. Our theme is Beach Disco by Dougie Wood. Food Friday Leftovers is a production of WAMC Northeast Public Radio. And tune in next week to see what else we find in the fridge. <laughs> <laughs>